everybody, and welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and founding pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Today on the pod, we circle back around with our Pinnacle team leader, Mark Tidsworth, to reflect on what we've been learning about reshaping church as we come back after COVID. Yeah, that's right. So this season, we have taken a walk through Mark's book, Reshape, and invited some friends into the conversation. We've explored concepts including reconnecting church after the COVID diaspora. We've looked at debriefing our experience, sorting our experience, like what to keep, what to ditch, what to explore. And then we began to make that transition from the discernment, the reflection, the mourning pieces to the action, to the planning, putting a a ministry guide in place, and then aligning our church structures for maximum effectiveness as we move forward. And so today, Mark will answer some of our lingering questions, as well as share some insights he's gleaned since Reshape was published. It's been almost a year ago now. Uh, Maybe we'll get him to share some observations he's had with churches and pastors engaging the process, as well as with churches and pastors who haven't engaged the process. So sit up straight, Rhonda. The boss is here. (laughs) I'm shaking in my vestments. So David, I thought it might be good for us to take just a couple of minutes and reflect on our goals for the podcast. And one of our goals always is to build a community for clergy, you know, recognizing that we need one another, as well as provide useful content, or at least maybe food for thought for pastors and clergy listening in. Um, But this season more particularly, we are doing a deep dive into a particular method for coming back after COVID. Yeah, Rhonda, that's a great reminder. I think we need to remember those goals of building community and providing helpful content, especially in a time like we've been living through with just significant difficulty and challenges for pastors, so much uncertainty, uh, so many decisions that we've had to make. Oh my. That's right. So really over the last 15 months and more, it's been a Herculean effort for pastors. And it seems like as we have sort of rounded the last bend of this heightened COVID period, there's still a sprint ahead. Uh, And I think we're all feeling a little worn down and exhausted. But this relaunching, this building back phase, this regathering, seems like it's going to take that same sort of sustained effort. I, I think this is a good time to kind of look back, not only at the reshape book, but just to remind ourselves as as pastors who we are, who we're connected to, uh, the support that we have, and uh, remind ourselves why we do what we do. Yeah, and it's good to remember that that we're not alone. And that's part of why we, you know, we wanted to launch this podcast in the first place. And, you know, this season, it's, it's more than just plugging the boss's book, right? But we wanted to offer pastors a way to build back And Mark's method is kind of a turnkey plug and play method. I experience as a local church pastor that there's quite a lot on my plate as we're trying to build back. And so if I also had to think about a method or a process, that would just be so much. So I hope that's been helpful. And to have Mark come come on and tell us some of what he's learned since he published the book, I think will be meaningful today as well. Absolutely. 
And while every church's situation and context, their identity is different, unique, it is really helpful to have a process to move through with our congregations and with our congregational leaders. So one of the things that's been helpful to me has been just the practical value of this season and the ideas for some steps and some process, uh, some practical wisdom for leading our churches through this time. I think of a biblical image, you know, let's get biblical for a minute. I think about Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, you know, how they talk about rebuilding Jerusalem after returning from Babylon. Nehemiah led his people to build the wall in 52 days. But (laughs) as I think about that, I wonder if the energy required to rebuild is, um, you know, maybe more than some weary pastors can muster or you know, maybe I'm projecting as well. So are you telling us we've got about seven weeks, seven and a half weeks to do this? If we're going <laughs> to meet, right. meet uh, Nehemiah's timeline, huh? <laughs> I, I, you know, I think it's going to take a, I mean, truthfully, a longer and more sustained effort as we figure out what in the world is emerging post-COVID. And I think that's a great segue into our conversation with Mark. We'll talk a little more about what it looks like to, to come back after COVID see what he's learned in the meantime, and maybe from some of the churches that Pinnacle has been engaged with over this last year. So let's talk about all of this and more with Reverend Mark Tidsworth. We welcome Mark Tidsworth back to the pod. He was with us in the first episode of this season, and we have been diving deep into the pages of Mark's book, Reshape, over the last eight weeks or so. Mark, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I remember the first episode. It seems like uh, so much of life has happened. It seems like a long time ago, though it wasn't literally that long. But uh, thank you for what you all are doing. And it's been a great season, I think. Well, uh, it has been fun to make, and I think it's been a little different than season one, and uh, we will probably try out a new concept in season three, but I think this has been just right for season two. As we think back over this season, we're getting here to the final chapter of your book, which is launching Reshaped Church. But Rhonda mentioned in the open that it's been a year, roughly, since you started writing this book, and I was amazed at how quickly you put these thoughts together and put it in a a form that could get out there in front of pastors and churches. I wonder, since Reshape went to press a year ago, what are the things that you have been learning, been noticing? Are there there things you would say or write differently now? And and maybe what are some of the highlights of what you've seen uh, over the last year? Wow. Well, I... I'd sort of like to ask you to, because you've been uh, interviewing all these people who have been practicing uh, reshape in these podcasts. And it has been fascinating because we have several pods of churches, or we call them communities of practice, that have been engaging reshape. And they, they started at different points in time. Like, I am going this Sunday, I'm very excited about this, this Sunday, to be with a church who started last. September. And they've been working the process until now. And this coming Sunday is when they will launch themselves and commission themselves into the living of reshape. So when when churches work it well, part of the outcome is a reshape ministry guide. 
has some initiatives to pursue and gives some guidance. But then comes the real value of this, which is living into it. And they use their Reshape Ministry Guide to help give them uh, guidance for that. So this church this coming Sunday is commissioning themselves into the next phase of that. So part of what I wondered along the way was timing. When is a good time to start, given the, the pandemic and its protracted nature <laughs> lasted forever? We thought it would be a few weeks, it lasted forever. So given that, when is a good time to use a process knowing part of what's happening in communities is very local. It depends on your state. It depends on where you are as to how open things are. And I'll have to say it's been we've had swirling dynamics and we've had groups of churches who have started at different points. Based on that experience, I don't think I can say that there was an ideal time or is an ideal time to start using this process because it seems like the ones who have used it have found ways to use it effectively in their settings, just depending on what's going on. And they've all been a little different from one another. So I I hope it provides sufficient guidance and some good, strong guidance. But it's sort of like the old saying, make a firm plan, but hold it lightly, that there's room for organic reshaping of the reshape process as you go along. So that would be one takeaway is that the timing was not as, from where I, where I sit, the timing of when a church starts was not as important as I thought it would be, because churches have found ways to use it. The ones who started last September, the ones who started in January, we have another group starting uh, in July, and we have another group who will start late fall. So they continue to start at different times, uh, and then they adapt it to their situation. So That'd be one insight to start with. Have you been surprised by any of the outcomes uh, that either churches or pastors have experienced or expressed, or even uh, surprised by the inquiries that you've gotten as as we watch this? Well, let me mention one inquiry, and it's it's related to timing. And these have been recent questions from pastors and churches uh, who are saying, Now that the CDC has changed its guidance, we are opening up and we are throwing open the doors, so to speak, that many churches are just really ramping up right now and opening up. And the pastors and church staff are telling me that their people are ready to roll, that they have energy and they're excited and they want to see one another and they're reconnecting from the reshape seven steps. Reconnecting is what they're really ready to do. So the question then is, how do we reconnect and open up without starting everything we used to do before that? Part of it was a blessing that we didn't have to do it anymore, and it had run its course, and we were ready to lay it aside. How do we keep from snapping back and doing exactly what we were doing before while people have such great energy and want to re-engage one another? And so what we've said, and and this seems to resonate with lots of church leaders, is the summer is a great time to reconnect. Uh, It presents some natural opportunities to do so and socialize, connect as a community, celebrate. It is a great time to celebrate that we can be back together. And I believe, too, lots of people will probably travel this summer. Those who had the means to do so, they've been shut up in their homes for a long time and they are ready to go. And so you know how in the summer, most of the time we don't do big programming for that very reason. 
even more so this summer. And earlier, I was listening to David talk about the uh, the fatigue for clergy and church staff. And so I'm hopeful that by not launching huge activities this summer of programming, and instead focusing on fellowship, community building, celebrating, that that will help clergy and church staff catch their breath this summer, give them a chance to to renew themselves, and just enjoy the good parts of being church together for a little while. My church in Florida, you know, Florida, right, we have a lot of snowbirds, and so summer's not a great time for us to launch anything or have big programs anyway. Um, and so we are kind of piggybacking off of one of the things that um, Eric from First Baptist Gainesville said, and we're going to have a what we're calling a church family reunion in October. Um, and we think by then we'll hopefully we're we're hoping that things will have settled down and and the people who still really haven't kind of come out of their shells after COVID or not that we're after COVID but mm-hmm. um, since the CDC mm-hmm. you know loosened up some restrictions uh, that maybe by October they'll have you know become more assimilated uh, back to some of the activities so you know that that's energizing but it's also going to take a lot of work to have a really great party luckily we have people in the church who are willing to plan a party so I don't have to take the leadership of that. Yeah. And I think that addresses another big dynamic is we we were talking about timing and readiness. People who are part of our our churches, I think, are going to reconnect at different stages along the way. And so because some are ready right now, others are not ready and they won't be for a while and others it'll be October before they're ready. So I th- what's that say to church leadership? It might suggest to us Let's build into the mix multiple opportunities for people to reconnect. Let's give them every excuse to start now. Meaning if you're not ready to start now, next month you might be ready. And the next month you might be ready. And the next month. So if we just continue to provide reconnecting opportunities, like what you mentioned, probably more people as they get ready will reconnect. Uh, with our churches. And that's one of the questions you all are hearing, and I am as well, is we don't know who's in or who's out anymore. After this big diaspora, we're not sure what our congregation looks like. And so that's just the nature of this. So let's provide many opportunities for reconnecting as we go. And uh, so I think if we, we do that, especially over the summer, and we use it as time of celebration and reconnecting, that then in the fall, is a is a perfect time then to start really working the uh, the other moves in the reshape process because people will be back from traveling they will have reconnected celebrated some and then we'll be ready to say okay well now let's look at how we've grown during this time and innovated and what do we need to keep and not keep and start and not start and so on and so on as you think about what pastors have have done and how church leaders have adapted over the last year. Then as you sort of look out into the future, these next months, as we are regathering in some of the familiar traditional ways that we did pre-COVID, what do you see as some of the important tasks for pastors or maybe even some of the important competencies that pastors need to be aware of? as we move into this next phase? Mm, That's a great question because uh, my first response is that's very much in flux right now. 
we at Pinnacle are getting more than I expected requests for churches who are saying who want help with redesigning pastor job descriptions. And not just pastors, but other church staffs. Today, there was a call from a church who said, we need to restructure our church staff, the whole staff, and their functions, what they do. And I, I take that as a really hopeful sign. That's a positive sign because that means those churches are recognizing life has changed and our community of faith is changing. So therefore, our job descriptions describe the role of the pastor and church staff in 2019 before the pandemic. They don't account for the innovation and adaptation we've done. So so those are the sort of things that we're seeing that are rising up. Churches are are asking for help with that. And I would take that as a sign of health for those churches who would do that. But for pastors with competencies specifically then in, in moving forward with that, certainly the ability to adapt and innovate and to be agile on their feet, not get overly attached to any one way of being church. And I think here's one of the basic challenges and opportunities in all of this. Who are the churches, the organizations, including churches, who will adapt in the world that certainly pain and adversity can drive adaptation? On the other hand, those who know who they are and are fairly secure in themselves, oftentimes they have the freedom to experiment and try new things. And so that's why I think the reconnecting pastors and church leaders, if they can really help their people reconnect and do some of those, like in worship, some of those anchoring rituals that anchor us to go back and just do them for a while. And that helps people know, hey, we are church. We remember this. We are church. We are anchored. And then you can move to, and what have we learned? And where do we go from here? And how do we innovate? So it's combining the familiar and what was normal to us in our rituals that, that give shape to our faith, that put our feet on the ground, so to speak, then we are more open to innovation and adaptation. As I talk about this, I'm, I'm thinking it is a challenging leadership activity right now for pastors. I like what you said in terms of going back to our identity or going back to to piece of, of who are we and what has God called us to do. And it really reminded me of some of the comments that we heard from Matt Sturdivant at um, the, the interview for the last episode of the podcast. He talked about some of the guiding principles that First Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas had, had always organized around, mm. but that they were ingrained enough, at least in church leaders, and I think really across the congregation, that that when a challenge or a, uh, a new opportunity or a change in their context came along, they always went back to those guiding principles. And so when COVID hit last spring, that was kind of the first thing. There were these four words that expressed the guiding principles, and they went straight up on the whiteboard. And so out of that place of identity and tradition and familiar is where they began to innovate. Mm -hmm. And that seems like a good lesson to learn in all of this. Yes. And that's what we don't want to change about church, our identity and our guiding principles, because they, they are enduring. That's, that's sort of like God gift, God's gift to us, our, who we are as people. 
and our gifts and graces and our identity. The part that we do hope will change is our methodology, that rather than get overly attached to our methodology, which is maybe our expression of church, that there we have great freedom and we can innovate and adapt all of the time. It's like the idea with a, an individual, a person who knows who the person is, and they have a clear sense of identity. Then they're pretty free to innovate with how they express that over time and what they do and where they go. They, they have a lot of freedom. So uh, it, it's that knowing self leads to freedom sort of thing again. So, Mark, this is a podcast for pastors, and you work with a lot of pastors. What are you seeing about how pastors are doing right now? What would you say to pastors? How might you encourage pastors or even challenge pastors? What do you have to say to us with boots on the ground out here? Well, we just finished the the Clergy Collective in Pinnacle, which is a group of 60 pastors who uh, we've been doing coaching groups with and seminars over the last year. And listening to them, our last coaching groups and sessions with them were about anticipating the summer and the fall. And pretty much what what I shared with them based on listening to them is do whatever you need to do this summer to care for yourself, to find your spirit. For most, their creative bone is pretty tired. They just don't sense a lot of creativity. And so Sabbath. Sabbath is a good word for the summer. I, I'm doing that as well. I've experienced it too. I'm going to take two weeks off together this summer. I've done that before, but it's been about 12 years since I have. So if I'm ever going to do it again, this seems like a great time to do it based on what's been going on and how I feel at this point in time. So I'm really looking forward to that with the idea that in the fall, likely pastors will be needed to show up and be their better selves and to have as much energy as possible, because I bet people in our churches are going to do the same thing, and they'll be ready to roll. And so it's a great time to do whatever we need to do to meet the needs of our spirit and our soul and our bodies and our relationships and all of those things so that we can be prepared for what, first of all, even more about being prepared for the future, just as human beings, to take good care of ourselves as stewards before God, but then to be prepared for ministry when it rolls around again. And I think that's part of being a professional person in ministry. We don't always use that phrase or think of ourselves as professionals, but we are, if you look at us compared to other professions in the world. And being a professional means recognizing what's going on and having the maturity to take action. So if Pastors practice Sabbath this summer. That's not being selfish. That's being a mature adult professional person who recognizes I need to do this so that I can be a good steward of self and function well in my ministerial role once the fall rolls around. In the launching reshape chapter in the book, you're kind of wrapping things up in that chapter. And you reference the scripture from Luke about Jesus setting his face toward Jerusalem. And if I'm remembering right, that passage is shortly after he has been up on the mountain with the disciples, and he's kind of come back down, and a few things happen, and he's back in the middle of some chaos and all the ministry in the world, and there's this passage where he's setting his face toward Jerusalem, 
And so that seems to fit a little bit with this rhythm that you were just mentioning of withdrawing and then re-engaging. But it also reminds me that that passage where Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem, it's, it's only about halfway through the gospel of Luke. And the whole rest of the gospel is this journey toward Jerusalem. So to me, it's just a interesting thought that that's sort of a midpoint for Luke in telling the story. And clearly, you know, we're hopefully on the tail end of the pandemic itself. But maybe that's a reminder to us that we're not at the the tail end of our ministry journey or our journey as churches together. We're we're probably smack dab in the middle. And so having that intention or resetting the intention is maybe a good call for us right now. What do you, what do you think about how churches can really set that intention as we come out of COVID? Mm-hmm. Well, clearly you're suggesting I should have written more in this book. because where it ends is when a church has its reshaped ministry guide then that's pretty much the end of the book but i think you raise a great insight that the reshape process is discernment work there's transformation involved in it it's integrated into it but it's discernment work and it results in the hard outcome is a ministry guide that has initiatives that a church is going to pursue over time like this church I'm going to be with this coming Sunday, in some ways, that's the easy part, developing the ministry guide. Then comes the living of it. And that's really where the transformation takes place. So in some ways, we've been readying, we're discerning, we have direction, we have guidance, but then comes the living into it. And that's, in some ways, that's very challenging, but it's also very exciting. And that's why this church, this coming Sunday, is having a commissioning service. They had a commissioning early on to commission themselves to be in a season of discernment. Now they're commissioning themselves to live into their reshaped vision. So in setting our faces towards Jerusalem, setting our intentions then, We have to build that into our systems somehow as a church, because you know, like I have, that what we do not want to happen is to do good discernment work, and then it doesn't go anywhere, and nobody uses it. And so we are talking to churches about stewards of the vision and stewards of the reshaped ministry guide, and we're suggesting the lay leadership team, along with the pastor or pastors and church staff, that the leaders of the church consider themselves stewards of the vision, and that they're setting their intention is, we are going to pursue this long-term until we implement the things that we have discerned, and we don't know how long that's going to take. So a very simple, concrete way to build that into our system is every lay leadership team meeting, council, deacons, session, whatever you call it in your church, whatever that lay leadership team meeting along with their pastor in every one of those, to come back to the guide and ask the key questions. Where did we progress since our last meeting? What can we celebrate since our last meeting? What sort of troubleshooting do we need to do today to remove obstacles? And then what are we going to do between now and our next meeting to advance our reshape ministry guide and live into it more fully? And who's going to lead us in the life of our church? So if they build it into their system, It's a way to concretely uh, set their intention to build it into the system so it's far more likely to happen 
that they will live into their reshape ministry guide. I hope that answers your question. Why don't you tell us uh, what you're working on next? Well, several things. One, I'm taking some Sabbath time this summer. And so I'm going to mention that here publicly on record. So I will make myself do that. But then I'm also very excited about some some new content that we're developing. A couple things. One is a a resource for lead pastors. Uh, that's going to be about core competencies for lead pastors with the idea that, as you all know, Pinnacle's all about leading adaptive change. And we've been about that for a long time. But we've discovered the obvious, which is churches will trust their pastoral leadership to lead them into adaptive change when they believe two things. One, their pastor actually loves them, which is the bottom line of the gospel. But number two, that their pastor is competent at basic the basic functions of a pastor. And when they know that, then they're willing to take a risk with their pastor. So myself and Dan Holloway, uh, who's a very experienced lead pastor, we are putting together content that we hope will be a book for as a resource for lead pastors. So that's one. And then the the second one I hope to get to is some content I've been working on for a good while called Spirit Flow. And it is about joining the flow of God's movement in the world and the personal spiritual development we must do that removes enough of the obstacles that we're more free to join God's flow. So it's more of a personal spiritual development book, which is very different than all of what I've done before, but I'm very excited about it and eager to jump into that. Well, Mark, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today and for giving us this resource and this pathway for us as pastors uh, through the reshape material and for sort of bookending this season number two for us. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's been great to be with you all. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Be sure and check out our website at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com to learn more about Pinnacle, Pastor Life, or about how you can lead your church through the reshape process. And be sure and sign up for our weekly e-news with relevant articles and other resources from our team, as well as session notes from this and previous podcasts. So, David, uh, can I slouch now? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to loosen <laughs> my vestments a little bit now that good, Mark's good, off the good. call. Have to wear the vestments when Mark's on the call, right? That's right. <laughs> act, act like we're doing something. <laughs>